Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk, Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. Earlier this month, we talked with Susan Tolles about all the lies swirling around in our minds and honestly sometimes being spoken out loud to us that are encouraging this overall sense of fear, inadequacy, and inability to grow as individuals. Well, today we're going to hone in a little bit more and discuss limiting beliefs. These go slightly beyond the lies we believe and dive into deeper, potentially more detrimental thought patterns and behaviors. Joining me today to talk through all of this is Kristen Stockton. Kristen is a business performance consultant, executive coach, and the chair of Forward Washington, D.C. Leaders choose to work with Kristen because she knows how to listen to and support them with insight, experience, and innovation. She coaches leaders through the strategic planning and change management process so they better align their mission, values, and vision with their products and services to increase value to their key stakeholders. She also brings tools and techniques that support all areas of business, including leadership development, strategic planning, succession planning, and personal and professional skill development. So really, she's the perfect person to be talking to us today about limiting beliefs. So Kristen, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, good morning or afternoon, wherever wherever you're listening to this, Jordan. It's a pleasure and honor <laughs> to be here. <laughs> thank you. So let's start off by... I'd love for you to define limiting beliefs because I feel like there may be some potential confusion surrounding that. Sure. So first off, as a licensed coach, I enter into conversations with my clients around limiting beliefs really organically. So most people don't wake up in the morning and say, I have six limiting beliefs that I need to tackle. Most people don't even know <laughs> that they have them. So, uh, but there's really two kinds and it's, it's really about perceptual. So uh, this type of coaching is called perceptual coaching because most people are not aware that they have limiting perceptions, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and it takes some coaching to help people through the process. It can be a a long process and and I'll share a little bit about more of that later. Um, And there's a fine line sometimes between coaching and dipping into the therapy world. So the the first clarification I think is for people to realize that coaches are not therapists. And the two distinctions between therapy and coaching is therapy is kind of excavation. It digs deep into the past and coaching starts with where you are and moves you forward. It's not Hmm. a dig to your past. And so often as I'm coaching individuals, there's a lot of things that might come up around their limiting beliefs. And there's a point where I might recommend that they seek a therapist to, to, to dig in a little deeper and and manage that. And then we reframe the coaching engagement around what I can support them on. And sometimes people have both. Sometimes people have are in therapy and they have a coach. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you get help from all sides when this. So, um, but one of the things is that there's also kind of two perceptions and perceptions that a client would have that are pervasive and are holding them back. So when we talk about um, limiting beliefs, we they are pervasive and they are holding them back from moving forward. Even if they might have helped them be successful to this point, 
they're at a place where they no longer serve them to move forward. Um, and so that's what sometimes this makes this a little, a little challenging sometimes from a coaching standpoint is because some clients come with such strong, deeply rooted beliefs. It really takes a lot to, mm-hmm. to move them forward, One, recognizing what they are, understanding the costs and then how to reframe and what are some of the tools and practices that you can do to start to, to change the way you're thinking about something. Yeah. What are some common limiting beliefs? So, um, some of the things that I think are common would be, uh, well, there's, there's two sets of limiting perceptions. One is false priorities and one is limiting beliefs about themselves. So I'll start with the limiting beliefs about oneself. And sometimes I hear things like, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't trust people. I need to be in control. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't let anything leave my office until it's perfect. Uh, Perfection is, is one of those areas where, you know, let's just take the statement. Someone might continue to say, particularly if they're having a hard time managing their time and being strategic, often I will hear, I can't let anything leave my office until it's perfect. And Mm, start with that and try to get them to unpack that a little bit and say, well, what does that feel like for you? And, and then they'll go into how it feels and and the stress levels that it calls. So that particular belief might've helped them depending on their job, depending on their role, you know, making, they might've had bosses who had required things to be, you know, absolutely perfect. But now it's at a point where, they can't delegate anything. They're not developing other people. And so they're not able to be seen as a leader in their organization because they have this belief that they can't let anything leave their office until it's perfect. And it's holding them back from moving forward into leadership because they're in the weeds all the time. So they can't be strategic. So that's an example of where a limiting belief might've served someone to a particular point in their career, but now it's holding them back. Because now they, that is so deeply rooted, they can't let go of anything or develop others because they're in the weeds and they're micromanaging and they're getting involved in the minutia. So that's kind of an example of, of a limiting belief, kind of where it shows up and how it can hold you back. Hmm. So what are some early warning signs of limiting beliefs or, or I guess, are there warning signs or do they just kind of show up? You know, they kind of just show up. So, you know, sometimes clients have attitudes and beliefs that that are so pervasive and have a significant cost to their productivity, their relationships, um, that they benefit from really focusing on it. So sometimes it's really about um, the attitudes that they have, the perceptions that they have, and... Uh, to the extent when they're showing up in a coaching situation, we start to uncover the things that are holding them back from moving forward. So, um, you know, they just keep hitting roadblocks or they keep getting stuck. And so let me just kind of give you an example about how our attitudes and perceptions shape how we see the world. So if you think about a bunny rabbit, 
could be a cute and cuddly animal, a tasty meal, a pest that eats crops, a disease-carrying vermin, or an important part of the ecosystem. It really just depends on who's looking at it. The same variation in perception is true for us at work and all types of situations, people, and decisions. And so what's interesting is that you know each unique viewpoint is correct. None of them are right or wrong. So too many times we let our perceptions get in the way of our progress because of the level of fact we place on them. So as a result, you know, the clients that I work with might have attitudes and beliefs that are so pervasive and have a significant cost on their productivity and relationships that they realize once we start talking and, and dialoguing and kind of unpacking some of the challenges that they might be having, some of those beliefs kind of shift up. Um, and many of these perceptions come out of defense mechanisms or ways that they cope. Um, and they start out in, in sometimes in the client's early childhood. So um, they occur so automatically in a blink of an eye that my, that a, a, a client, you know, is often not even aware that they're reacting on autopilot. And so a coach who is really skilled at and adept at listening and observing will pick up some of those cues and be able to give those observations back to their clients to say, do you realize that when you're talking about this situation, you keep saying, you know, this same thing, whatever it is, whether it's like, it just has to be perfect. I can't trust anyone to get things done. And do you hear that? And really getting people to get, become really aware. Um, and sometimes the reactions tend to come up, especially during times of stress when um, I see my client doesn't have the space to make a conscience choice. So the stress behaviors and these limiting beliefs sometimes go hand in hand. So awareness is really key. And I, I think the challenge for most people and, and why I think this topic is important is you are, you, it's really challenging for your mind to be aware of something and counter it at the same time. It's impossible for our brains to work that way. That's why a lot of times um, people who have unconscious bias think, okay, well, now I know I have this unconscious bias, so now I can catch myself doing it and change it at the same time. And our brains just are not wired to do it that way. You have to become aware, and then you have to become conscious of it and recognize when it starts to happen and then have some tools that you can use to to really reframe and change your perception around things. Um, so, you know, I can't ask someone what their limiting beliefs are and really expect a good answer. I need to uncover the beliefs kind of working with someone over a period of time. Um, but you find them recurring in things that, that people say or do explanations for why things happen the way they do. Like, Oh, I'm just never going to get ahead because nobody ever wants to listen to me. Or, uh, you know, I just can't trust my team to get the work done. Like I have to review everything that someone does. They just are, they're just, you know, they're, they're just not working to the level that they need to. So if someone feels really stressed, those are signs to me as the professional, as the coach to say, okay, let's take a pause and let's look at the situation and the judgments, um, the statements about how they see the world and why they see the world that way. 
And the only time as a coach that I will ever go back and ask someone um, about their past typically is in these situations, I'll say, when was the first time you thought that way? And immediately someone will say, and this happens every time, regardless of the belief, well, when I was younger growing up, my mother used to say this all the time, or when I was, you know, 20 years ago, or when I was in college, you know, I had this experience and, you know, I got, there was consequences with there. And so that's usually when we, when we hear it and we start to notice it. And then once my, once the, the client is getting these aha moments and these awareness, it's a lot easier than to move them forward and think about, okay, well, what do you think believing this has, has cost you or is hurting you? And the more people can identify that for themselves, that's the beauty of being able to make the shift. So are limiting beliefs always self-made or are there maybe some outside influences that are creating them? Yes. So definitely these are things that, um, kind of has some outside influences to them. Um, and the way they see things. So, um, one of the things that we'll do is I'll give them an exercise where, you know, I'll, I'll have them, um, think about how, give them a whole framework, if you will, of listing the limiting beliefs and then what it might be costing them from a health or an attitude or what have you, and get them to think about, you know, when might have the, when might have the first time that this happened. So kind of going back to that fine line between therapy, if I find that there's some deeply rooted issues and I'll give you a, a visual for that, in a minute, I, I might recommend that they, you know, see a therapist to work that out. If, if through the coaching, they uncover something that's really painful from their past, that's when I kind of stop the coaching arm. And I recommend that a client would go seek a therapist and try to help them find someone that they can trust, that they can kind of work through that issue. Um, you know, perceptions that show up at work, you know, that might be deeply rooted in, in a trauma or a child path or a childhood or parents or, or getting into that. That's when I, you know, make sure that they are particularly if it shows signs of mental illness or something like that, I help refer them to a licensed medical mental health professional kind of immediately. Um, but Similar to, um, if you think about it, similar to um, the a vinyl record, if you will. So for those of you who know what vinyl records are, um, if you think <laughs> of your, if you think of your mind as a vinyl record, um, you know, people have habitually been thinking some of these thoughts or these ways of thinking, and they've held these perceptions and attitudes and beliefs for years. So it's kind of a wrinkle in, in helping a client come up with new beliefs or perceptions or attitudes because it's been held for years. So our thoughts are like grooves in the record. So the longer we have held that thought or belief, the deeper the groove. So our core perceptions and beliefs are so deep that they are sometimes hard to erase. In fact, um, you know, if, if 
if the client, you know, is challenged, um, the belief by saying, you know, it isn't true or all they would do is wake up, you know, and, and have the same belief. So, um, you can debate logically what the person, you know, with that person all day long about the fact that some people are trustworthy and some people aren't, it won't make a difference to them. You can, you can challenge someone to repeat, I can trust people, I can trust people, but that only causes them to remember all the reasons why they can't trust people. So mm. the, the good news is uh, the way out of this challenge is to help the client choose an alternative perception and make it a habit. And, and that takes commitment, discipline, and practice, but it's been proven to work. So um, there are tactics that you can do to create new habits, um, like note-taking, getting support, pre-planning. Um, I've got some tools that I do in, in behavioral coaching techniques that I do that help people develop new perceptions. Um, and I can share some of them with us today, if you'd like, um, it's, I think it's really critical that, you know, people recognize that we all have some type of pervasive belief that could be holding us back. And, um, and again, it, it, it can take the work of a professional to really help you help you see that create awareness and then put an action plan to, to take care of that. Now you touched on this a little bit earlier, um, but I'd like to maybe expound on it some, but are are limiting beliefs indicative of a control issue? I would imagine. Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, they can be, um, sometimes, you know, if you think about it, so I sometimes look at my own limiting belief. Sometimes it's the things that we, um, either experienced and as a coping strategy to have control over a situation, we create this belief that, you know, I have to do this all myself or it won't get done correctly. Well, that can be somewhat of a control. The other, it might be just a a self-esteem or behavior or confidence issue um, that, you know, maybe they, maybe they were working on something and they thought it was really, really strong and really, really good. um, And they shared an idea and someone took that idea and then that person got the credit for it. And if that happened over and over and over again, you know, they might have a belief that they can't trust anyone. Right. And, um, and so they hold on to all their ideas. They don't share, they don't, they're not good at collaborating. They have a hard time having that kind of confidence level, um, all, all rooted back to a couple of issues where, you know, there was a fact that someone might've taken their idea and ran with it. And so now they have a belief that they just can't trust anyone, right. Just because of that one thing. So I, I think sometimes those factors, those experiences that we have had in our life contribute to some of the beliefs that we hold on to. And like I said, they might've served us well at a certain period of time, but now you're, you're coming to a coach to uh, grow your career or make a change or you're unhappy or you're stuck or someone's noticing behaviors and attitudes from you, maybe a supervisor and says, you know, I think you should, um, here's some observations I have and here's some things that I'm noticing and some feedback you're getting from your clients or your customers or your direct reports. Uh, l- let's get you some coaching to try to figure out how to help you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, here's feedback that you're getting. So at some point we're getting feedback and then it's about really understanding the source and where it might be coming from. Um, yeah. but we don't want to stay there. We don't want to stay in the past and a good coach will help 
help people identify ways to really move forward. We want to move people from their past beliefs as much as possible into new ways of thinking and, and create new perceptions um, that can really help someone. Um, yeah. And there's a couple of different ways that you can do that. And I'm happy to share those. Sure. So one format, we call them if then statements. Um, mm. And then, and it's because many of our limiting perceptions are blanket statements, right? What we can do um, is we want to come up with a narrower, more specific statement of what we can do to get a result. So for instance, if we don't trust people in general, we we can create a statement that says, if, if I give my employees the training, support, and resources they need, they will get the job done. And one of the things to notice is that the word trust doesn't appear in the statement. So you don't have to compete with the longstanding belief about trusting others. So what's compelling about this approach is that it takes the blanket statement and turns it into a statement where they control their situation with simple things they can do. Um, so again, it's if I give my if, I give my employees training, support, and resources they need, then they will get the job done. So that's the format of the if-then statement um, to reframe a limiting belief that you have about yourself. Um, and, you know, even if you say it to yourself, I can't trust anyone, and you just hear how that sounds and what that feels like in your body, and then you say something like, if I give my employees the training, support, and resources they need, they will get the job done. It, even if that isn't your limiting belief, you can hear the sounds and you can hear the difference between the, the limiting belief and, some, and a new way to frame how to work with other people. Because it's based on the result that you want. You want people to get the job done. So if I do these three things... I know it's going to help someone and they're going to get the job done. It's really about helping the person think about what's the outcome that you want and how can you achieve that and really yeah. help them move away from repeating that same message over and over again. Hmm. Do Christians struggle with limiting beliefs more? Because I do feel like, you know, not to harp on the church, but, you know, I do feel like Christians kind of get some things instilled in them <laughs> that maybe mm -hmm. in the time seem innocent, but they can kind of mm -hmm. mutate and grow into something that is more mm -hmm. of like a limiting belief. Yeah. So really good point. And I think, um, sometimes depending on how we grew up and the message that we heard, whether it was some type of authority figure, a parent, or even a church leader, um, you know, you, you might have created a belief, uh, around yourself or around how to approach things because, because of that, and that might be holding you back. And so, you know, I think we all have a battle for our mind and believers are no different. And I think for Christians, you know, believers, we might have some beliefs that are, that run counter to scripture. And I think, First and foremost, if you if you if you are struggling with something that you have had as a, your belief system um, growing up, and you recognize, well, this is how I heard it from church. 
or this is what the Sunday school teacher always told me or always said. Um, and maybe it's a way to have a healthy relationship with someone because of a belief around, um, you know, the way you interact with other people and that's holding you back. Um, here's, here's my approach as not only a coach, but also as a, as a Christian believer and, and bringing that spiritual priority to it. You know, we have, we have God's word to guide and direct our actions, our behaviors, and our attitude. And if you're told something that doesn't line up with scripture, that, that is something to pay attention to. So, you know, we are, our mind is, is a battlefield as we all know. And, um, sometimes as, as believers, there is an attack on our thinking and our attitudes all the time that we have to shake off. Um, and I think for the, for the believer, sometimes until we really have that relationship with Christ and we get into the word and we pray about a situation that we have, and we look to scripture to help guide and direct our guide and direct our thoughts, our behaviors and our actions and align God's word with our heart. Um, I think we have a better chance of overcoming some of those, you know, false perceptions or beliefs that might've been holding us back and, um, because they can have a cost. So I think sometimes, you know, we get messages from the world that tell us one thing and they might run counter to beliefs we've always had. And those beliefs served us well and will continue to serve us well because they are the gospel and they are truth. And we have to fight against our flesh and we have to fight against the world. Um, so I think it's really important to just understand, is this a belief that I was taught? And now that I'm studying God's word, it, it, it something's coming up for me. And so get good counseling, Christian counseling around it, get some good prayer and seek out and seek out others who can help you really uh, move forward with a way of thinking about that um, in a new way. And, you know, our mind, like I said, is always a battlefield. And for me, we have to put on the full armor of God. We have to get into God's word and know his truth and really through prayer and through the Holy Spirit and through reading of the scripture, use that as a way of helping us to maybe form new beliefs and new perceptions that, that are uh, a path to get there, are a path to get forward. Um, because we can, we can get some of these beliefs deeply rooted from a wide range of sources. Okay. So you mentioned cost. <laughs> what, yes. what do these limiting beliefs end up costing someone? I mean, I, I, I imagine yeah. it can be pretty substantial. Sure. Um, and for everyone, it's different. So one of the things that I have a lot of my um, clients do is I have them run through a couple of exercises where we, first of all, um, get in touch, you know, understand common limiting beliefs and then get in touch with the cost. So this actually is a, is a motivator because if someone's going to move forward in doing the hard work and committing to action, they have to see that this, uh, the, the current belief that they have is really giving them a cost or a consequence, um, in that belief. So it could be, 
um, sales or profit costs, right? That employee costs, people may not want to work for them. So if their attrition is falling off because of their attitude or belief, um, they won't move forward. If they have a limiting belief about, um, about, you know, avoiding conflict and they're in sales, you know, that could be a, that could be a cost if they avoid, uh, if they avoid issues or tension because they, they just, they, they have to avoid conflict. So also it could be personal time. So for someone who is the person who can't delegate because they have to do everything and they have to be perfect, that's going to cost them their personal time because they're spending more time than they should on activities and things that they otherwise could have delegated to somebody else. Family. So it can cost them with their relationship. So everybody is different. And part of the coaching process really helps people understand and work through what are the costs today around some of these areas. Uh, and then where the belief causes the magnification of pain. So if you don't make a change today and you still continue this one year from now, how much harder or what, what will be the greater pain as a result? And, you know, getting people to get in touch with that, uh, realization at, at kind of like, at what point in the future will this belief just be too much that you can bear? And then you go five years, you know, what point will this just be unsustainable that if you continue this way, that you can kind of see how this is going to play out for yourself one year down the road, five years down the road. So I do an exercise where we walk through that. Um, it can cost family, personal time, sleep, eating, health habits, you know, your posture. Um, and I just get them to identify what it's costing them. Um, and, you know, in a way that the client can really understand that it's holding them back. It's, it's, it might've served them in the past. Um, it's reached its usefulness, but is now is holding them back in a massive way. And it helps anchor the client in negative emotions of the belief so that we can work together to create new habits. Cause nobody wants to wake up and just stay in a negative state. You know, once they realize what something is costing them that they, um, you want to look for that breaking point where someone will be so stuck that they say, I have got to get this done. You know, I have got to either have a health issue or they have a, a serious performance issue. Um, you want to really, I, I try to work with people to find out the maximum point of pain around this belief. So I can get them to want to move forward and take action. Because if you don't feel that something's really getting in the way and you think you can manage it and you can take care of it, you're not going to want to make the change. You have to realize where this change, how this is really costing you and where it's costing you before you can take action to change it. Just kind of like anything else. Yeah. So here's the big question. <laughs> How do you get rid of limiting beliefs? And is mm. this possible? And then kind of also to bump in on the bottom of that, you know, how do you keep them out of your life? You know, once you do put in this work, you know, you can maybe get rid of some of them. How do you get them out of your life? And, 
you know, what should you do if there are maybe some new ones that pop up in their place? Yeah. Great question. So a couple of things. Yes, you can absolutely reframe them. Can you do it overnight? No, you can do the exercise overnight, but you have to practice and practice to become a habit. And so one of the things that I have my clients do is recognize that this is something that you can make a habit, but you have to do the work. So I can't tell you, and as a coach, I don't tell people, you need to do this and make this a habit, and then you're going to be fine. It's all the work of the individual. They really have to come up with something that's going to work for them. So I can give them some guidance and I can give them some things to practice, but then they have to do the work to actually implement it and try it out and see, try this for 30 days, keep a journal, recognize, hear yourself when you're saying that statement that we've identified. Um, and you know, you want to, you want to find, um, a way to reframe and make it a habit. And then you want to practice it. And that's why, you know, having that ongoing support of a coach can help you help hold yourself accountable. Um, and one of the biggest, you know, eye openers for people is I want them to imagine what is possible if this new belief becomes a habit. Um, I want people to think about how much greater their life is going to be when they overcome it, because that's the incentive to reach for that broad brushstroke painted picture that you want for your life or your career or your business so that you are so intensely motivated to make this change that you will do it and you'll become a habit. And then we work together to co-create some ways that you can keep it. So, um, you know, I want people to think about what's possible, what benefits could you see and can you imagine for yourself in terms of your employees or your sales or your profit or your personal time, if you start doing this, if you start changing and implementing this habit, um, kind of going back to the one I said. So if you think about that, if then statement, if you're giving your employees the right skills, the right tools, and you know, they're going to get the job done, what's possible for your team and your business when that's true? And then people start completely anchoring themselves in something positive and forward thinking and an exciting workplace. You know, I could just imagine like my people will be more motivated. They're going to be more excited to come to work. I'm not going to be stuck working two to three hours a night reviewing their work. I'm going to be able to go home and be with my family, or I'm going to be able to go running after work, or I'm going to be able to do this. And you start getting people to attach themselves to something positive and open as opposed to stuck in the old habit. And the more you do that, you really do move yourself forward and out of that stuck place. And we start small. If someone's got six limiting beliefs, we figure out which is the, which one, if you, if you could change it within the next year, could have the greatest impact on your life and maybe change other things. And I, and I get the client to really pick that out. And then we start small and we work on it. Um, and we get feedback from other people. So part of it is getting help from others to say, you know, I've been going through coaching and I realize that I've been stuck in this particular way of thinking and it's not serving me well. You're my direct report or you're my boss. 
can you help me by identify, helping me catch myself when I start driving in that behavior? Because you can't fix yourself by yourself. And I think one of the things as believers, we know we're in a broken world. We are imperfect people and we have to stop striving to fix ourselves by ourselves. We need our Holy Spirit. We need our prayer. We need our trusted counselors and mentors and coaches. We need um, prayer time and scripture and all of those tools we need to come together to help us think differently and, and change some of these things that we recognize are, are hurting ourselves, hurting our relationships and really costing us the success that we really want to have and the ability to use our God-given potential because we're just holding ourselves back by stinking thinking sometimes and some things <laughs> that we just don't even realize are, 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 are affecting us in that way. So mm. there's hope. There's always hope. Um, it takes a little work, but there's always hope to do that. So you mentioned earlier and you kind of talked through them a little bit, some exercises that someone can go through, mm -hmm. but do you have any other ones that someone, when they feel limiting belief kind of starting to creep mm -hmm. in, um, you know, what can they yeah. do? What can they run through in their mind to kind of keep it at bay? Sure. So we talked about the if then statement, um, which is all about taking small steps to get a good outcome. The next one is called creative framing which is, it's not about X, it's about Y. So for example, if someone who wants to be liked, um, I always say, you know, do you want to be liked or do you want to be successful? <laughs> and some people are like, well, I want to be both. And I said, well, yeah. do you want to be liked or do you want to be successful? Because right now your, your behavior might be driving you to just be liked by people. So what does that mm -hmm. look like? Well, how is that helping you be achieved? Well, I want to be liked. I'm afraid that they'll be mad at me and I won't have friends. And, and, you know, that's an attitude. So for that person, we'll say, okay, example, what could you, how could you reframe it? So it's not about being liked. It's about why. Um, and they might say, it's not about being liked. It's about being respected. And I said, okay, well, how are you going to keep that top of mind for yourself? And the mm. best and easiest way is write it on a post-it and put it in several different places. So you are <laughs> meditating on that every day. Um, and sometimes people might, you know, I've, I've coached enough believers and a lot of women um, who will pick a proverb or who will pick a scripture verse and that's their meditation. And so sometimes we can link up to two. So, um, my favorite that I go to all the time when I'm feeling like no one wants to hire me, no one wants to hire me, no one wants to hire me, which is absolutely false and completely untrue, but we can sabotage ourselves with our thinking. I think whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is holy, I'm going to focus on that. And that scripture, it's, it's not about being hired. It's about serving others. It, you know, mm -hmm. about it's about what is true in this situation. I am confident. I am loved. I, you know, I, I come up with, it's not about X. It's about Y. It's not about being, it's not about being hired. It's not about increasing my sales. It's about being true to who I am. It's not about this. It's about why. And the relief that you feel inside when you shift that in your mind is 
unbelievable. The weight comes off your shoulders. You can breathe again. The, the tightness that you feel in your chest goes away. And I make it part of my prayer. I make it part of my morning devotionals to do that creative reframing. It's not about X, it's about Y. And then the third one is a metaphor. Um, success in a different role or, or from a different life. So uh, one is, is an example of someone who is a marathon runner and, and, but is trying to write a book. Um, and so as a runner, it's like if I one step at a time, right? So align something from your, a different role in your life from a different or a different life. So if I take one step at a time, like when I run, I can get my book finished. It's a marathon, not a sprint, right? So we've heard that before that you can come up with a metaphor. And again, it's got to be meaningful to the person. I can't tell you what it is. You have to create it for yourself, but I can coach you through that. You have to put it someplace in a couple different places to keep it, keep reminding yourself of it. Making something a habit means you have to continually do it. And every morning yeah. you're, while you're brushing your teeth, you're just going to meditate on this when you're going into the, the biggest issue is when you're going into a high stress situation, because our limiting beliefs love to creep up when we are highly stressed. Yeah. Um, and so if you're going into that meeting with that boss or that person who, you know, kind of triggers that limiting belief, that's when you have to really gear up and get prepared, bring your post-it notes, write it out, get yourself quiet, do some meditation just keep repeating it to your, in your head, um, and just keep mindful about it. And I think that is really the key to, to shifting these perceptions and overcoming the limitations that, uh, believing in them brings to your life. Well, before we go, and I hate to go because I love this conversation, um, is there anything else that you can think of that you'd want to leave us with, you know, with regards to these limiting beliefs? Sure. So three things. One, don't worry about whether you, what they are in your life right now, what you have or what you don't have. Um, if you journal or if you catch, can kind of capture some of these the biggest thing is to ask people, say, is there something that you think I'm doing or I'm behaving or an attitude that you observe in me that you think I should pay attention to? Because other people are going to see this in you before you see it in yourself. So don't worry about that. Don't worry about identifying it. Get some good feedback. If you, and, and the third thing is when you do notice some of these thinking points. And I'm happy to share a little worksheet that we can share with folks um, to just to kind of assess as an idea jogger around these beliefs um, that there are good coaches who can help you move forward from them. And I highly recommend that you make sure you work with a licensed coach if you choose to get a coach, or if you think that there is something very traumatic that, that, you know, is holding you back and you haven't dealt with it to find a good, a good uh, referral for mental health, um, counseling, um, and just pray and 
I know that sounds really simple, but when we pray and we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things and reveal our weaknesses, then we know that we can ask for help in our weaknesses and we'll be stronger in our weaknesses. And I think that's really the key to overcoming anything as believers. We have the tools, we have scripture, we have prayer, we have the Holy Spirit, and we know that Christ strengthens us in our weakness. So when you become aware of these, make that part of your habit as well. And you'll be on the best path forward in limiting your limiting beliefs and your perceptions about yourself and about others and putting yourself on a path that will give you your best outcome and your most successful future. We're glad you joined us for this conversation with Kristen about identifying and working to eliminate limiting beliefs in our lives. For more information about this episode, check out the show notes page on our website, forwardwomen.org slash podcast. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N.org slash podcast. If you're listening somewhere other than our website, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred listening platform and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We appreciate any feedback we get and always want to make sure that we're featuring the topics you're interested in hearing about. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth.